we are in our second week on our series on prayer, and we are um, we're focusing our attention on that because I feel like that, that's something that God is is working in my own heart. And as I reflect, um, you know, over the last year and and everything that's gone on with the fire and all the different things, I think one of the things that I've fallen into is the trap of just thriving on busyness, of just always being busy doing things. And when that happens, our, our prayer life begins to um, have an impact. And I'm, I'm just standing up here before you, letting you know that in my own personal life, I want to revive and reawaken within my own life um, uh, a deeper, more meaningful prayer life in my own personal life. And I want to help create that within our church. That that is something that we value. And just knowing that we, we live in a culture that thrives on busyness. I would rather do something in my natural state. I'd rather do something than pray. I'd rather build something. I'd rather read a book. I'd rather meet with some. I'd rather, there's a long list of things that I would enjoy doing because I feel good about being active and being busy and being productive. And we have to be careful um, about that because prayer is the vital link in the Christian life. We are in the presence of God in our time of prayer. Last week we talked about that Jesus is praying for us. We should, we should be willing to think about this, that... In the Gospel of John, the writer John records a massive amount of time in the final hours of Jesus' life, and much of that time is devoted to prayer. We looked at the high priestly prayer last week, and I wanted to encourage you that regardless of how active or inactive your prayer life is, that if you are a follower of Christ, that Jesus promises to be praying for you. This morning... I want to be uh, as clear and as simple also, and I want to talk about prayer and how it's connected to listening. Sometimes when we pray, we just don't know what to say. We're not exactly sure um, the words that we should use, but what I want to propose to you is that in order to have an effective and meaningful prayer life, it involves listening. We said that prayer is companionship with God, and that if you're going to have a companionship with somebody, it involves listening. That you cannot just be the one doing all of the talking. We've all experienced relationships like that where some people think that's great and that's fun. But we know if you're on the other side of it, it doesn't work. So we have to learn how to be a listener. Carl Barth, one of the leading uh, theologians of the 20th century wrote this about prayer. He writes, however difficult it may sound, the hearing really precedes the asking. It is the basis of it. It makes real asking. So there is a time of urgent prayer. I understand that. But there is a cultivation within our lives of, of prayer that involves listening. Here's what William Barclay wrote uh, many years ago about prayer. He writes this, prayer is not a way of making use of God. <clears throat> I think we have, yes, we do. Prayer is a way of offering ourselves to God in order that he should be able to make use of us. It may be one of our greatest faults in prayer 
that we talk too much and listen too little. When prayer is at its highest, we wait in silence for God's voice to us. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about prayer as listening, how we can be good listeners. Now, listening is one of the most challenging things uh, that we experience. And I spent, I've told you guys this before, but I spent many, many years as a teacher. And you quickly learn that listening is very, very hard. I have endless stories of students not listening. Eighth grade American history, teaching it to 14 and 15-year-olds is quite interesting and challenging. I spent, one of my favorite stories, I spent 10 or 15 minutes explaining to my students what the electoral college was and how it was a process in how we elect our president, that it is not by popular vote. And so, and I won't do it now. I was tempted to. (laughs) I won't take 10 or 15 minutes to explain you the Electoral College right now. But I did in eighth grade U.S. history class. And after explaining that and taking some questions and having a dialogue, there was one girl in the back who raised her hand. Uh, Mr. Kelly, is uh, USC part of the Electoral College? And I was like, okay, I think I'm resigning. I'm done. Right? It happens all the time as a teacher. You will explain that the test is on Friday over chapter 13, and it's going to cover this, this, and this. And then 10 minutes later, uh, Mr. Kelly, when's the test? What's, what's on the test? So you learn to not be offended when people don't listen. It is not natural for any of us to listen well. We know this to be true in our marriages. That, that can happen sometimes. Not only mine, and yours too. So this morning, I I want to focus our attention on these short few words in the passage. So if you have your bulletin, please um, open your Bible or grab your bulletin. I'll put my glasses on, and then we'll read the passage together. This is from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8, and it begins this way. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, And led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And here's our key three words. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. But when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And so this is a this is, this is the worship service of all wor- worship services here. This, um, this visible transformation of Jesus Christ was literally um, a transformative time for the life of Peter, James, and John. And it culminates 
in the glorification of Jesus Christ. And we are told by God the Father to listen to him. And I want us to think for just a moment about who we listen to. Who has a voice in your life? I was reading this week, and I'll share some books with you later on uh, in the coming weeks about prayer. But one of the authors that I was reading about was, um, he talked about cynicism and how we can become cynical towards authority, cynical towards other voices, other, other people speaking to our, into our lives. And it's understandable. I was looking this week about <clears throat> the most trusted professions in America, and nothing has really changed all that much. Consistently at the top are nurses as some of the most trusted and valued people. And at the bottom, as you can all imagine, yes, it is the leaders of our nation that we trust the least, that their voice and their words mean very little to us. And so we become cynical. The people that we that we should look to as leaders are not trusted. And when you don't trust people that you should trust, we become cynical. And when you become cynical, there's only one voice that you listen to, and that is yourself. And so the warning this morning as we look at this is, what is the danger of ignoring this? When God the Father, in the midst of this transfiguration, tells us that we are to listen to him, and we ignore that, we do it at our own peril. Um, the book of Proverbs talks often um, about not being good, a good listener. And so what we want to begin with this morning, and I'll, I'll work through this quickly, is that above all else, God the Father is telling us that we are to listen to Jesus Christ. That in a world of cynicism, in a world of distractions, that we have to be able to have a voice in our lives, that we have to have somebody that we can listen to. And what I'm encouraging you and encouraging in my own life is that we become people who are good at listening and that we are first and foremost, listen to Jesus Christ. That everything I say, whoever is up here, that everything that is spoken from up here is held up in light of Jesus Christ, in light of God's word. That that is the final word. That is the final authority. Another reason why we don't listen very well is so we are so easily distracted any of you um, easily distracted here that something catches your attention? Look, doing church outside, there are a million distractions, right? Whether it's a Harley Davidson going by or airplanes or helicopters or bugs or skunks crawling out. All, I, you know, all the animals that we've had appear on a church service are, you know, are quite interesting. So I understand there are lots of distractions. My favorite distraction as a teacher, I've shared this story before though, was when a boy was sitting in back and completely oblivious to me as the teacher, and he had his nose in the girl's hair next to him. <laughs> and I called on him and asked him a question, knowing he wasn't paying attention, and I said, Bobby, I can say it's been so many years now, what's the, and he was like, it just smells so good, Mr. Kelly. <laughs> so good smells are a distraction if you're a 14-year-old boy sitting next to a pretty girl. 
There are endless distractions in life. But we have Sunday mornings as a few, few minutes of time, an hour or so together, that is a small little picture, not a very good picture, but a small little picture of what's happening with Jesus Christ here. And so we must, above all else, be people who are willing to listen to Jesus Christ. So here's what's happening. Peter is not a very good listener either. In the previous verses, I won't read them this morning, but in the previous verses, chapter 16, Jesus is telling Peter that I am on my way to Jerusalem, that I am on my way to suffer and die. And Peter says, no, you're not. Like, no, no. And then Peter, excuse me, Jesus has to say, Peter, stop being stubborn. You're not listening. In fact, it gets so bad that Jesus says, you're functioning as a partner with the devil, that you're trying to prevent me from what I'm called to do, what God the Father has called me to do. And so Peter, just like us, not a very good listener. We have a, a focus, a direction in our life that we must be willing to submit to Christ to give us a new direction. So let's just hit some of the highlights in the passage here. So Peter, James, and John are the leaders of the disciples. Um, Jesus takes them up on a high mountain. That, that could be a little clue for you. Whenever you read the Gospels and, and you come across a mountain, something significant is going to happen. Um, there's lots of different opinions about what mountain this is. Nobody knows for sure. But you know that it's a, a trek up a mountain. And so they are together. And it says, verse 2, that he was trans, that Jesus was transfigured before them. Literally, it's the word uh, metamorphous. So there's this transformation that happens to Jesus. That his light, his face becomes so bright and so intense that the glory of God is put on display. If you enjoy taking notes and cross-referencing things, um, this would take us back to the book of Exodus chapter 34 where Moses speaks to God. And it says, uh, Exodus 34 says that Moses did not know that the skin of his face had shown because he had been talking to God. So Moses has this very similar thing. He has this conversation with God and, and it's as the Bible says, it's as friends talk to one another and something happens to his face. The glory of God is reflected upon his face. And it says, Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near. And this was evidence that Moses had spent time with God. And so what we see here is that Jesus is on full display the deity of God, that the full glory of God is being put on display by God. And so all of this is pointing to who Jesus Christ is. All right? So Hebrews, sometime later, the book of Hebrews is written, and here's how Hebrews begins. Find the connection. The author of Hebrews writes this, Hebrews chapter 1, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. 
and he upholds the universe by the word by the word of his power. And so this dramatic picture is happening in front of the disciples. And join, um, Moses and Elijah join him. Moses as the giver of the law. Um, Elijah as the prophet of all prophets. And they're there talking. And here's what's interesting. Here's what's happening. This is just, it's, it's interesting. Okay, verse 2 says this, And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. Verse 3, And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking. So there's three of them. And the most powerful worship experience you've ever seen in your life. And then here's what happens. Verse 4, And Peter said, Lord, it is good we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. It's really interesting. This dramatic experience is happening. And there's one guy, again, Peter, just opens up his mouth and just intersects or inserts himself into this experience, into this conversation. This glorious moment. Peter, the talker, um, is not listening. In fact, he want, here's what's interesting. When you look at the bigger context, Jesus has just described the cost of following him. And he says in the previous verses that we are to take up our cross to follow Jesus, that there are times when it's a hard road. And Peter, not really liking that, they said, let's just forget about that for a second and let's build a little tent and just live up here in this glorious moment. Think about it like this. During the worship service, I'm sitting up here up front. And I can hear everybody. I can hear the band up here. And I can hear, it's amazing. Like, like I, I get that. Like I could, just, I could enjoy this for a really long time. And that's what Peter is saying. Hey, this is a really cool thing. That whole idea of carrying a cross. Like going back down the mountain. And Jesus is going to suffer and die. I, I don't. I don't want to hear that. I want just this experience. And here's what's interesting. Verse 5. While Peter is speaking. So Peter interrupts this worship service. And then a cloud overshadows them. And a voice from the cloud begins to speak. And again, this is pointing back to all this dramatic and powerful pictures from the book of Exodus where the presence of God is on display, whether it's a wind or fire or something, just powerful display of God. And it's pointing to who Jesus Christ is. So think about this for a moment. Who are we to listen to in Life. Who is the voice that gives us direction? Who is the one that shapes your life? Who, will sp who do you allow to speak to you to give guidance to your life? And it's the deity of Jesus Christ that's put on display here in this powerful, authoritative way. N.T. Wright, who is a New Testament scholar, one of the leading scholars, um, wrote this about Jesus. I think we have this quote to get us to think about something here. He writes this. How can you live with a terrifying thought that the hurricane has become a human? Talking about how God would reveal himself in the Old Testament. 
that the fire has become flesh, that life itself came to life and walked in our midst. Christianity either means that or it means nothing. See, N.T. Wright is saying, listen, Jesus is not just a good teacher. He's not just a moral man. He's either the full radiant glory of God or he's crazy. It is the most devastating disclosure of the deepest reality in the world or it's a sham. It's nonsense. And so we have to think about who Christ is. That's what this is forcing us to do about the reality of this and how this will shape our lives. So it's at this moment then that the voice says, listen to him, that we are to listen to this voice, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And I started thinking about this week, just all the, all the different ways that God speaks to us today. It definitely is not just Sunday mornings alone. And I, this is where I think we can grow as a church and how we think about our prayer life. Let me just read some things that I thought of this week about how God speaks to us. God speaks to you through your failures. God speaks to you through your disappointment, through brokenness, through anxiety, through discouragement. God speaks when you feel like doors are being closed in front of you. God speaks when your dreams are broken. God can speak through a counselor, through a therapist. God, God can speak through amazing different things. Several years ago, my family, uh, we, we took the family up to the forks of the Kern River. And uh, the Kern River is in the southern Sierras. And, and there's a, a spot you can go where you can drive far up. And we were hiking and just beautiful. No one around. And I, I remember like standing on a rock and all of a sudden, the most terrifying noise came upon us. And Karen and I, it was one of the, like we didn't know what to do, but all we did was, it was almost like this. We just like ducked and like hit the ground. And you know what it was? It was I don't know the exact kind, but it was some kind of military fighter jet that was flying like at light speed, not light speed, what do they call it? The speed of sound. It felt like light speed. All of a sudden though, this loud, the, the most terrifying noise was like, you went from like beauty, fishing, river, just, and then all the, like, I won't, I won't even make the noise for you. But it was the most, it was like a scary, you're like, literally like this, like, like the jet's really gonna hit you in the head, right? But it felt like that. And, and it was like, my mind went to the Bible. Like, God, God speaks in amazing, like, powerful ways, ways that can, like, grab our attention. God can speak to you in the bathroom. Right? How many, how many, I know you bring your phones to the bathroom. <laughs> Read a Bible verse. God can speak to you there. He can speak in prisons. He can speak in classrooms. He can speak to you on Sunday mornings. He can speak to you through friends, through worship music. He can speak to you while you are stuck on PCH. And he's saying, be patient. In a world that is nonstop, full speed ahead, just be patient. Be kind to people. God can speak to people who have no interest in Jesus Christ. 
or have no interest in following him. Do you remember when Pilate's wife had a dream? And she went to Pilate and said, don't have anything to do with this guy. That God spoke to me in a dream. God can speak in many different ways. We know that the book of Numbers, that God speaks through a donkey. God speaks most often and most loudly, according to C.S. Lewis, in our pain. And pain is often God's megaphone. C.S. Lewis refers to that, that he whispers to us in times of comfort and success. But it's in times of pain that God speaks most loudly and most clearly. And so this voice coming from the clouds is saying, listen to him. And so that is the simplicity. How do we, how do we pray? We begin by listening to the voice of Jesus Christ. Let me give you just a few thoughts then on how we can do that. First, how do we, how do we hear? How do we listen to Jesus? First, we hear with ears of faith. With ears of faith. It's really interesting when you start studying the idea of hearing or listening. Jesus says regularly, he says, let those with these two little things right here, ears, we all have those, let those with ears hear. There were to be people who listen. But when you listen, here's what's going to happen. It's going to require you to have faith. When you read your Bible, and I'll show you this just one second, and we say, I'm going to put my, my trust in Christ. I'm going to live for Christ. It's going to require that you have faith. We're not being completely honest with ourselves if we say, God, I want to hear from you. But as soon as you say something I don't like, I'm going to ignore you. Right? We're not being honest with ourselves. Because there will be times when Jesus will have to do some correcting in our lives. And then that will require faith. That's going to require you to, to pivot. I'm living my, my life this way. And maybe through a friend or through the word or however God speaks to you, you need to pivot away from that. And it's going to require obedient faith. So number one, expect the requirement of faith, to live in faith, to trust, listen with ears of faith. Number two, keep your life centered on Jesus through God's word and through the Holy Spirit. That we have to be word-centered, word-saturated. Here's what happens, and it's not in the passage, but Jesus says to the disciples, don't say anything about this until after I rise from the dead. So it's about 30 years later. Guess what Peter writes in his letter? 2 Peter chapter 1, he writes this. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths. So we, just think about this for a second. We did not follow clever. So if something's clever, that means it's easy to be distracted. It's easy to capture um, to be distracted with this myth about spirituality. And he says this, we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. Here's this phrase again, heard it many times now. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. 
We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven from when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is recalling this and he's teaching this to um, the community of believers and it becomes a part of their identity that we will be people who listen to Jesus Christ. Number three, we see that we can hear God's voice through wise friendships. Jesus takes up three guys with him, Peter, James, and John. You can very easily and very quickly get off on a dangerous path when you live life your own way, when you don't let people in to your life, when you don't let people into your struggles and questions. Jesus invests himself in these three men who will become the pillars of the church. So we can hear God's voice through his word with ears of faithfulness, of obedience, with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then this, we'll finish up with this. What is he saying? What does Jesus say to them? Well, here's what's, it's really interesting. So this loud voice comes down from heaven and it says this, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces. They were terrified. This is the presence of God. This is what happens when people experience the presence of God. But here's what's beautiful. But Jesus came and touched them. A friendship saying, trust me, saying, rise and have no fear. So this morning, as we study this and we listen to what Jesus is saying, he's saying this. He's saying, rise. What does it mean to rise? What does it mean in this context to the disciples? It means this. You have to go back down the mountain. You have to go to Monday. Monday's tomorrow. Monday is responsibilities. Monday's work. Monday's marriage. Monday's a dentist appointment. Monday's school. Monday's writing a paper. Monday's going to work. But you do it in a way that Jesus is shaping your life. And then he says this, with, with no fear. How can you have no fear? Because Jesus is with you. When we think about prayer, we remember that Jesus is praying for us and we remember first and foremost that we become listeners, that we listen to what God is saying through his word. And this morning, in this particular passage, it's saying that we all have responsibilities. We all have routines. We all have people in our lives that we are called to love. Everyone here has a friend, a daughter, a son, a husband or a wife, a friend that God has called you to love. We are to rise up and love well, to care for one another well. We are to be a community that loves one another well, not on our own strength, but in the strength of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to share one book with you and then I'm done. But um, this is by a guy named Eugene Peterson who recently passed away. And the reason why I, I, I just want to share it with you this morning is he focuses a lot of his attention on the book of Psalms. And he has one sermon uh, or one chapter in the book and it's titled Praying Our Tears. Praying Our Tears. 
There are times in life when all we can do is listen, that words don't come out. And Eugene Peterson talks about how the only thing that comes out are tears. And some of you might be in that place this morning. And we've all been there. And I, I want to leave us with encouragement that God is speaking to you. People that are hurting, people that are broken, broken people that feel alone, that feel discouraged, that God is speaking to you. Right after they come down the mountain, do you know what Jesus does? He begins healing people. That means people that are hurting, that need restoration, that need help. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be people who rise in the strength of Jesus and to love one another well. Love always leads to healing. That's the calling upon our lives, to be good listeners, to rise and love well. Let's pray. Jesus, we're thankful that you speak to us. I pray that, that our hearts would be pure and open to hearing from you. That you'd speak hope to us, you'd speak healing to us, you'd speak restoration to us. Give us ears to hear. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to receive the grace of the gospel. Thank you that you love us, that you came to be amongst us. Thank you that you gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to walk with us. Father, I pray as we conclude in worship that we would not be people who just talk about prayer, but that we would actually do it. We love you and we ask these things in your name. Amen.